Today's guest is Kai Davis, who shared their earliest memories of what a haunting feels like. I'm Tim Mullen, and this is Your Haunted Life. With us today is Kai Davis. Kai, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Kai Davis. I grew up in a very superstitious and ghost-friendly household. It wasn't really until college before I realized that most people not only didn't believe in ghosts, but haven't had some sort of experience. Like growing up, you know, grandma would dispense her knowledge and, you know, here's how you rub someone with an egg to see if they have the evil eye. And um, also, you know, if you encounter a ghost, invoke St. Michael, that kind of thing. So the ghosty, spooky, spooky parts of life have already been, always been a part of the more trivial day-to-day life. So I hope to have some good stories for you. Thank you. Um, I'm only going to ask because you specifically brought up the evil eye. Um, what is your ethnic background, if you're comfortable talking about that? Yeah, so my background is Welsh, German, and some kind of Slavic. Um, I think for my family in particular, both sides come from the Johnstown area, Johnstown, Pennsylvania area. So it's powwowing country, which is essentially a mixture of whatever folk traditions people could get their grubby hands on. And then Christianity with a heavy influence from like Amish folk healing. Okay. So in particular for my family's traditions, that grabby hands, anything that sounds good seems to be pretty common. I'm pretty sure my grandma in particular stole a bunch of stuff from like Italian folk healing and traditions. And I suspect that the egg may be stolen from Italian, like Strega. I, it sounded really familiar. Um, and that's, that's why I asked like, okay, I know evil eye, there's like a few of them, but like the egg seems pretty specific. <laughs> Is the story you have for us kind of one of a kind or more of a common occurrence for you? I would say that it's a one-time occurrence that spoke towards a recurring thing if that made any sense at all. Perhaps it will make more sense um, once we have the full context. Um, what have you got for us? So I'll just rephrase. It's more of a, a recurrence that culminated in a big event, which ultimately forms like our framing narrative. <laughs> interesting. So what happened? Okay. Uh, When I was little, so between the ages of like three and probably 10 years old, I lived in Pulaski, New York, which is a small exit on the turnpike um, in uh, upstate New York, north of Syracuse, south of Watertown, nowhere near New York City. So we lived in an old house that was built in the 1820s when we had first moved in the, you know, there was vintage wallpaper in the bathroom that just sewed different bathroom fixtures, like old timey toilet wallpaper. Um, and the 
basement had a dirt floor and in the spring there there would be a stream running through it so this is the kind of old old farmhouse set way way back in a field pretty remote from other neighbors so growing up I had friends that lived nearby and they would never want to come to the house and they would say you know looking over at the house at night it looks like a big face staring at us and so the house kind of had a creepy vibe it had that Amityville uh, sort of energy. As a kid, I was afraid of everything. I think I wasn't sure between being afraid of the dark and being afraid of ghosts, whether it was all in my head or if it, there was something spooky. So on the second floor, my bedroom was near the top of the stairs. And in my bedroom, there was a very small closet that kind of went deep back. It was just kind of an eerie closet. Um, I would refuse to go into that closet after dark because it was just too scary for me. Yeah. And my sister's bedroom was all the way on the other side of the house, also on the second floor, but down this hallway. And at the end of the hall, there was a small room, which was like a craft room. And then there was her bedroom, which was full of my mother's old porcelain dolls, which is scary in and of, of itself. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. <laughs> so, you know, it was just kind of spooky. I would hear things and generally just having that sense of, I want to run away. <laughs> um, anytime it came to being in the little, the little room, the little closet in my room, or near my sister's uh, room and the little room near her room. Um, so that's kind of the setup. The culminating event actually came from the outside. Uh, my mom and my dad were at a bar and my mom went into the bathroom. A woman was struggling to put a contact lens in. And so she like chatted with her she always said she helped her with her contact lens. I'm not sure how you help someone <laughs> with their contact lens, but I wouldn't put it a pastor to like put her finger in someone's eye, but certainly try bathroom bonding moments. So they leave the bathroom together and the woman stops in her tracks and she says, Oh, you're with him. And it's like, yes. Um, why? And so she basically invites herself over to the table and lays it out. And she says, I'm a psychic. You too live in an old house and you have young children and your littlest one is sick and she's sick all the time. Um, and there are three spirits in the house. Two of the spirits aren't good spirits, but one of the spirits is a good spirit. It's a woman with a withered arm and she watches over your little sick girl. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, essentially that closet in my room was where this woman, the spirit of this woman with the withered arm spends her time. Okay. Um, and then the bad spirits are in my sister's room with all those porcelain dolls and the craft room down the hallway of just absolute childhood terror. Um, and so, it, you know, it's not 
the most ghosty of ghost stories, but to have a face and a description and an outside source put on top of those childhood fears always creeped me out. Um, naturally, I wasn't told this story until many years later. Right. Is there a cultural or religious context that you had for this when it happened? When it happened, not really. Um, I was so young at the time, I don't think I really was thinking about these things. I certainly wasn't talking about these things. Right. That's probably the better way to put it. I wasn't talking about these things with my parents or with my family. Um, it's really when I was older and I was spending more time with my grandmother that we talked about these things. Do you have a cultural or religious context that it fits better into now? I would say less of like a cultural or religious context and more of just in it's integrated into my system of beliefs. Okay. You know, sometimes you have, let's say, a spirit that is either popping in or is tied to a certain place. And so that would be like an intelligent for better, for lack of a better word, an intelligent haunting. Or you may have something where it's an impression where maybe something bad happened here once or maybe something oof, happened here many times um, and it leaves an imprint. And so I think that's where you get, you know, like the entire house was kind of guilty of being kind of creepy and kind of oppressive feeling. And that's the sort of thing where that may not be an intelligent spirit haunting the place. It may just be the remains of a period of time that was very bad. Yeah. And I think that's that imprinting phenomena is why older places sometimes just have a bad vibe. It had more time to collect all different kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. Rip out the carpets, smudge that place. It's nasty. <laughs> Are there other ways you've kind of made meaning from that experience that we haven't really touched on? Um, it was comforting to me to think that there was somebody, you know, watching out for me because I spent so much of my time absolutely afraid of being upstairs, which is, you know, as a little kid, you spend so much time in your bedroom and things like that. So it's more a fun story with a touch of wistfulness of, because, uh, you know, little kids, they're vulnerable. It's sad to think of them being scared of big, scary ghosts. And occasionally that ghost has got your back. And so I think that's kind of a, a fun takeaway from this particular anecdote. Have there been any kind of lasting impacts on your life? I don't know if it's left a lasting impact on my life. Um, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't the scariest experience I ever had when it was scary because it's, you know, diffused through that filter of time. But it is, I would say, my first formative creepy experiences. So, it, You'll always remember you first. Do you think that that kind of prepared you to maybe seek more of that out? Or do you think 
you were kind of just always open to it and it found you? Less having the experiences themselves, but more having my mother tell me the story uh, once I was a little bit older, really, really validated those feelings and experiences I had had up to then. So it did, you know, in a sense, prepare me to go forward in a way where it's with more confidence. I noticed in a few of the people I talked to, there's, I'm starting with mostly like friends and family and people who want to, you know, kind of help me with this project. Um, So sometimes we kind of chat for a bit, not recording. I mean, I know, I know one thing that's kind of come up a little bit is it seems to make a difference for folks, the, the way that they react to an experience. It makes a difference if they have a family where they can talk about that or not. Absolutely. And I find a similar thing uh, among people who are really, really afraid of ghosts. Um, they might have had an experience, but then had no one to talk to because it gives you that sense of powerlessness, the sense of, it's truly the fear of the unknown, the sense of the unknown um, that can really throw you for a loop. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Mm -hmm.